This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said, When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities, creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago, but that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel Prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life, the only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is CYKIAE. When I was growing up, I heard this nursery rhyme a lot. It's an old traditional nursery rhyme. It goes like this. What are little boys made of? What are little boys made of? Frogs and snails and puppy dog tails. And that are little boys made of. What? are little girls made of? What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and all that's nice and that are little girls made of. What the nursery rhyme's telling us is that boys and girls and so men and women are very different to each other. Today, Marxist ideology tells us that there are no individuals and everyone is the same, regardless of our gender. Liberal feminists, in particular, say that there aren't even any physical differences between men and women. Radical feminists accept that there are physical differences between men and women, but under what they call the socialization theory, they say that the way boys and girls are treated growing up has a dramatically negative effect on women. That theory but does at least accept physical differences, but insists that there aren't any innate psychological differences between men and women. Any differences we observe must be the product of nurture, not nature. I'll be looking at whether women are stupider than men in the next program. So who's right and what does this matter in the context of children's rights to a mother and a father. So, the liberal feminists tell us, men and women are physically the same. Katie Faust and Stacey Manning in their book, Them Before Us, give us the following information about the physical differences between men and women. They begin from the position that the liberal feminist ideology seriously puts forward that men and women are physically the same. They say... We are dangerously far down the rabbit hole when something so rudimentary and self-evident needs to be explained. Yet, 
Here we are in the 21st century, living in a technologically advanced, science-driven age, debating what it means to be male and female. So, Katie Faust says, let's start with the most annoying, to many women, physiological difference. Men have more muscle mass, and because muscle burns more calories than fat, they burn calories faster than women even when they're just sitting on the couch. Their greater muscle mass also really comes in handy at Costco. On average, an untrained man can deadlift 133% of his body weight, whereas an untrained woman can deadlift the same number of pounds she registers when she steps on a scale. The physical advantage men enjoy is not limited to muscle mass. Men also have greater cardiovascular reserves and larger hearts. Their bodies, tendons and ligaments are stronger and denser. And men, on average, have a height advantage of about 6 inches over women. According to data collected by the U.S. Marine Corps, because of the physical disadvantage women have, they suffer double the combat injuries of their male counterparts. Therefore, the basis for sending Dad to see what's making all that noise in the basement at midnight is wholly scientific. Louise Perry, in her book, The Case Against the Sexual Revolution, gives some more specific examples of how these physical strength differences between men and women translate in life. She says that adult women are approximately half as strong as adult men in the upper body and two-thirds as strong in the lower body. This was the finding by Miller, McDougall, Tarnopolsky and Sale in their paper Gender Differences in Strength and Muscle Fibre Characteristics that was published in the European Journal of Applied Physiology and Occupational Physiology in 1993. On average, men can bench press more mass than women can by a factor of roughly two and a half. This was the finding by Tal Amasay, Constance Meyer, Kay Foley and Tonya Cardswell in their paper, Gender Differences in Performance of Equivalently Loaded Push-Ups and Bench Press Exercises, published in the 2016 edition of the Journal of Sport. A man can punch harder than a woman by a factor of two and a half times. This was revealed in the paper published by Paul Gabrielson called Why Males Pack a Powerful Punch, published on 5 February 2020. In hand grip strength, 90% of females produce less force than 95% of males. This was the finding of Lake Gorgs and Ritter in their paper, Hand Grip Strength of Young Men, Women and Highly Trained Female Athletes, and that was published in the European Journal of Applied Physiology in 2007. In other words, almost all women are weaker than almost all men. Liberal feminists have to disconnect from reality to argue that there are no physical differences between men and women, and somehow keep a straight face while they're doing it. Men can outrun women. Sex differences 
are less significant in sports where it's endurance rather than strength alone that matters. But even then, the differences are still considerable in favour of men. In Olympic swimming and track events, women's performance is at about 90% of men's. This figure is sometimes called the golden ratio of athletics, which was revealed by Robinson Meyer in his article published in The Atlantic on 7 August 2012. If you think that 10% isn't much of a difference, you couldn't be more wrong. For elite athletes, this difference is staggering. For example, at the 2016 Summer Olympics, Elaine Thompson of Jamaica won gold with a time of 10.71 seconds. In the same games, Usain Bolt, also coincidentally from Jamaica, won with a time of 9.81 seconds. That's less than a second's difference between these two athletes, right? Not much. But if men and women had been running in the same event at those Olympics, then Elaine Thompson wouldn't have even made it into the finals. In fact, she would have been easily outrun by Jamaican boys competing in the under-17 category. Another sobering example of the physical difference between men and women was highlighted when the United States women's national football in 2017, best in the world, unbeatable by any other women's teams, were beaten to five by the Dallas under-15 boys team. These boys had reached puberty. They'd just begun to develop some, only some, of the strength and power that they would have when they grew into adult men. The women's category has been traditionally protected in elite sports because, if they weren't, there would be no women in elite sports. Men would outcompete them every time. But the liberal feminists and the transgender movement appear to be overcoming all of this well-known science to allow people identified as transgender women to compete against biological women. This has had shocking and, for the top women athletes, depressing results. Women who have devoted their whole lives to reaching their peak performance and they stand head and shoulders above other women. But now they find themselves not nearly good enough, impossibly never good enough. Basically, the results are the same as I've set out above if women had been competing against men. An outstanding example of this difference between transgender women and biological women was highlighted by American transgender swimmer Leah Thomas. As a male swimmer, competing against men, he was ranked at 554th. As a transgender female today, he's one of the top-ranked women. It says a lot to note that there are no transgender men competing against biological men, not a one. Still, some liberal feminists argue that the women's category in all sports should be abolished, for one, British feminist Laurie Penny wrote in 2016 on the controversy over the inclusion of trans athletes in that year's Summer Olympics. She wrote, Strict segregation is seldom questioned 
which conveniently allows women's events to be sidelined while ensuring that no sportsman will ever be beaten by a woman. But dividing sports by gender isn't natural or inevitable. This pronouncement has been strongly objected to by many elite female athletes, including Paula Radcliffe, Sharon Davies and Kelly Holmes. For them, the biological sex differences are more than just a philosophical talking point, as they are for Laurie Penny. Sharon Davies insisted, in order to protect women's sports, those with a male sex advantage should not be able to compete in women's sport. Penny's claim that sports men want to maintain sex segregation in sport because they're afraid of being beaten by a woman, based on all that I've just talked about, obviously has no basis. In fact, it's at best willful blindness. Louise Perry finishes off this topic with the brutal truth. She says, But recognising these kinds of physical limitations does not sit well with a liberal feminist project that aims to challenge any restrictions on human freedom. If we acknowledge that there are immovable differences between the sexes in terms of strength and speed, then we are also forced to acknowledge not only that natal males cannot fairly compete in women's sports, but also that natal females experience a permanent physical disadvantage and the consequences of this disadvantage go well beyond sports, particularly when male upper body strength is set beside the fragility of the female throat and skull. In the modern West, it has become increasingly impossible to become detached from the sexually dimorphic body when one does not do a manual job, compete in sports or bear children. But the unwelcome truth will always remain, whether or not we can bear to look at it. Almost all men can kill almost all women with their bare hands, but not vice versa. And that matters. What about other differences between men and women? The differences between males and females exist at the cellular level too, as Katie Faust and Stacey Manning reveal in their book, Them Before Us. Women's bodies have more white blood cells and produce more antibodies than men's bodies. Women also tend to have lower blood pressure and a longer lifespan. They say that this is probably part of a reflection of the fact that women don't generally take jobs that involve serious personal risk. As they say, a woman is most unlikely to fall off the ladder cleaning the gutters. They go on to note that higher oestrogen levels mean women catch colds less often than men, and when their immune system fails to fend off the common cold or flu, women recover quicker than men. The legendary and much ridiculed man-cold is actually real, they say. Well, mostly. No matter how sick a man's female partner is, the truth probably is that he's sicker. Maybe. Testosterone's a powerful hormone in both sexes, but men register 
20 to 30 times higher levels of it than women. Testosterone is behind men's project-driven risk-taking. Next thing perspective, and also responsible for driving their aggression and competitiveness. Testosterone is what gives the man greater physical strength, and it's what drives men to seek out, on average, more sexual partners than their female counterparts. Numerous studies have shown a drop of as much as 40% in men's testosterone levels during the months following the birth of his child. That results in weaker male sex drive, which is obviously helpful to the recovering mother and contributes to the man's increased tenderness towards the mother and child as they recover from birth. Women have wider hips for growing and giving birth to babies and wildly capable of fat storage necessary for nursing babies. Breasts are a vital portable storage and delivery system for perfectly formulated baby food from birth to toddlerhood. In fact, in the first few days, breast milk is naturally supercharged to deliver and boost a baby, kick-started into life with good immunity. There are big vital differences in male and female brains as well. Important gender-specific attributes are also present in our brain structures. Luanne Brizendine, psychiatrist and academic in her book The Female Brain, wrote this. More than 99% of male and female genetic coding is exactly the same. Out of the 30,000 genes in the human genome, the less than 1% variation between the sexes is small. But that percentage difference influences every single cell in our bodies, from the nerves that register pleasure and pain to the neurons that transmit perception, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. To the observing eye, the brains of females and males are not the same. Male brains are larger by about 9%, even after correcting for body size. In the 19th century, scientists took this to mean that women had less mental capacity than men. Women and men, however, have the same number of brain cells. The cells are just packed more densely in women, cinched, corset-like, into a smaller skull. For much of the 20th century, most scientists assumed that women were essentially small men, neurologically and in every other sense, except for their reproductive functions. That assumption has been at the heart of enduring misunderstandings about female psychology and physiology. When you look a little deeper into the brain differences, they reveal what makes women women and men men. Lewin Brissenden goes on to say that scientists have learned that men and women have different brain sensitivities to stress and conflict. They use a different brain area and circuits to solve problems, process language, experience and store the same strong emotion. Women may remember the smallest detail of their first dates and their biggest fights, while their husbands barely remember that these things even happened. Brain structure and chemistry have everything to do with why this is so. The female and male brains process stimuli, hear, see, sense and gauge what others are feeling in 
different ways. Our distinct female and male brain operating systems are mostly compatible and adept, but they perform and accomplish the same goals and tasks using different circuits. In a German study, researchers conducted brain scans of men and women while they mentally rotated abstract three-dimensional shapes. There were no performance differences between the men and women, but there were significant sex-specific differences in the brain circuits they activated to complete the task. Women triggered brain pathways linked to visual identification and spent more time than men picturing the object in their minds. This fact merely meant that it took women longer to get to the same answer. It also showed that females perform all the cognitive functions males perform. They just do so by using different brain circuits. Under the microscope or an fMRI scan, the differences between male and female brains are revealed to be complex and widespread. In the brain centers for language and hearing, for example, women have 11% more neurons than men, the principal hub of both emotion and memory formation. The hippocampus is also larger in the female brain, as is the brain circuitry for language and observing emotions in others. This means that women are, on average, better at expressing emotions and remembering the details of emotional events. Men, by contrast, have two and a half times the brain space devoted to sexual drive, as well as larger brain centers for action and aggression. Sexual thoughts float through a man's brain many times each day, on average, and through a woman's only once a day perhaps three to four times, on her hottest days. Saying women should have sex like men is just dumb when confronted with this reality. Katie Faust in Them Before Us gives men the grim warning. Women's brains also house a larger hippocampus, the area where short-term memories become long-term memories. So for any lady still stewing over proof the man-cold is legit, your consolation prize is a longer-ranging, more detailed memory. Be advised, gentlemen, it's a fool's errand to dispute details of your first encounter with your spouse. Science has shown she has a greater capacity to recall detail, so she's probably right and you had best believe she's correct. It was indeed she that asked you out on the first date. These basic structural variances could explain perceptive differences. One study scanned the brains of men and women while having a conversation. The male brain's sexual areas immediately sparked. Men saw it as a potential sexual rendezvous. The female brains didn't have any activation in the sexual areas. The female brains saw the situation as just two people talking. Biology represents the foundation of our personalities and behavioural tendencies, but if, in the name of political correctness, we tried to deny the influence of biology on the brain, we are leaving reality behind. One significant difference between men and women is found in the prefrontal cortex, the region of the brain responsible for predicting the consequences of our actions. 
the prefrontal cortex develops earlier in females. In boys, it doesn't develop until their early 20s. This is partly why teenage boys tend to do more rash, riskier things than an average teenage girl. It's also why young men make such great soldiers. Another difference between the sexes is in the anterior cortex. That's the part of the brain responsible for processing emotions, including worry and for organising memories. The anterior cortex is larger in females, so women tend to have a greater capacity for worrying than men. The number of women diagnosed with anxiety disorders is twice that of men. This was revealed in the National Comorbidity Survey conducted from 1990 to 1992. It found that lifetime prevalence rates for any anxiety disorder were 30.5% for women and 19.2% for men, reported in the paper Gender Differences in Anxiety Disorders, Prevalence, Course of Illness, Comorbidity and Burden of Illness by McLean Asnani, Litz and Hoffman in 2011, which was reported in the Journal of Psychiatric Research. Females also have a larger corpus callosum. This thick bundle of nerves connects the two brain hemispheres. Its larger size in women makes it easier for them to jump between hemispheres. This lets women more easily multitask while men's focus tends to be consumed by one project, science has all but proven women's claims to multitasking fame. It's true. Get over it. Women's brains transition from the left hemisphere, logical, to the right, creative, more easily. But men have a much stronger connectivity within the hemispheres. Tanya Lewis's paper how Men's Brains Are Wired Differently Than Women's, published on 2 December 2013 in Live Science magazine, revealed this. She found that male brains have a greater number of pathways from the back of the brain, where perception resides, to the front of the brain, where action initiates. In other words, when men set their minds on a goal or project, they're more capable of single-minded focus on its completion. Conversely, women, distracted by the needs of the humans in their orbit, find it can take weeks before they make a dent in their to-do list. These male-female brain differences manifest in a variety of other ways too. One of the most universally recognised differences is in conversation. Mansplaining is one of the constant gripes of the feminists. Any woman in a relationship with a man knows or learns quickly that that characteristic will come to the fore if she brings up a challenge at work or trouble with a friend. Men tend to detach from the interpersonal aspects of a problem and focus on the facts. A male will quickly start making suggestions about how to deal with this situation. To the incredible, intense annoyance of women. Women's brains are wired more for intuition and emotion, so women tend to approach a problem from the standpoint of relationships. Katie Faust concludes, Men and women are gloriously different, and to deny these differences is to be wantonly ignorant and roundly unscientific. Yet so many of our woke compatriots do exactly that by minimizing or flat-out denying the differences between men and women. Such foolishness is costly 
to our society in general and is especially harmful to children. Beyond the obvious requirements of the two sexes to necessitate human reproduction, a child's development is designed around and dependent on the complementary ways men and women interact with their children. From all of this, I would say that the traditional nursery rhyme that I began this program with had the biological facts right, and liberal feminists are way off the mark. Girls are made of sugar and spice and all things nice. But what about nature or nurture? Another one of those things that drive feminists to insist on not giving girls Barbie dolls and boys guns. Does that work? Or are women just dumber than men? Thanks for listening into this program, CYKIAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYKIAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on Cairns FM 89.1 for clickable links. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns and District Junior Estedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9am. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket, DZ, close brackets.